It's been a journey. We've almost been doing this for a year now. Well, I know. technically it's been longer than that, but releasing episodes for almost a year now. Mm-hmm. Are crazy. we going to do something special for our one year anniversary? I had not even thought about it, but I feel like we should. We probably should. Listeners, if you have any ideas, suggestions for things that we should do to celebrate our one year televisionary anniversary please let us know on our instagram at televisionary podcast you can make a tiktok and send it to us at televisionary pod and mm-hmm. we'll take your ideas into consideration yeah not pr- not promising anything but yeah <laughs> like, but if it's a good idea we'll steal it i hope that i do all right in this episode because i am so caffeinated i don't even know like I don't even know how it happened. I mean, I do, but I don't at the same time. Who <laughs> slipped you this caffeine without you noticing? I bought like a cold brew coffee concentrate, which I haven't had in a long time. And I just, I never drink cold brew. I never drink cold coffee. But last year we didn't hit a hundred degrees in Austin till July. And we are mm. now on like day six or seven in a row of over 100 degrees. Jeez. Yeah, so it's hot, and I, w- I thought it sounded nice, so I bought this cold brew concentrate, and it just hits you so differently than a normal cup of coffee. I feel like it's got to have more caffeine in it. It's got to be, like, double strength or something, because I had, like, this much like uh, in a cup, like nothing, and I'm wired. See, that's why I never drink coffee either. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm drinking this non-alcoholic seltzer okay. right now that I think has like some calming ingredients. So mm. I'm hoping it will <laughs> all It'll just out. balance you out somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Well, I feel like this week we have a surprising amount to talk about. We do. We have quite a few disparate topics, I would say, um, mm-hmm. that we can cover. Is there a particular place where you wanted to jump in and start? I think I want to talk about Squid Game first, and specifically the announcement that came out today, the day that we're recording, Tuesday, Mm -hmm. that Squid Game is going to have a reality series called Mm -hmm. Squid Game The Challenge. Squid Game colon The Challenge. Oh, yeah. My bad. My bad. Can't forget the colon. It's going to have 456 players, which is the largest competition reality show cast ever. I would mm-hmm. guess by quite a bit. <laughs> right. And it has the largest cash prize ever in a reality series, which is $4.56 million. Now, I will say in the Hollywood Reporter article I read, they did point out that X Factor has, mm-hmm. in a season, given over $5 million away in like contracts to people. Right. But in terms of just money, mm-hmm. it's it's the biggest. Right. I was going to say that there is that little caveat that because Simon Cowell was so sure that the X Factor was going to find a superstar... The prize money for the first season was five a five million dollar recording contract, and right. then they did not find a superstar, so that was quickly reduced <laughs> to a lower figure that they did not announce for the subsequent seasons that it aired in the U.S. Anyway, that's so, so interesting because I can't think of any other reality series that has reduced a cash prize over time. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense if 
you're going to put that much money on the line for somebody that's going to remain a no-name forever, then what's the point? Because it's not like the money is really the thing in a singing competition show that is, like, that people are fighting for, you know? Like, if you're on the show to become a singer, you want the career, you don't just want the five million dollars. And the people watching the show aren't really driven by the amount of money that's being won, I guess. So I feel like it makes sense in that case. But still, I think it will be very interesting to see how all this plays out um, with the Squid Game reality show. I was thinking that this show feels like a perfect move for Netflix because I think it kind of addresses two problems that we've kind of pointed out that they've had, which is they don't have a ton of like of franchises like Mm -hmm. other streamers do. So in doing this, they're sort of building a Squid Game world that could spin off into like other reality shows for other countries that speak other languages or I don't know I mean maybe even other Squid Game related shows taking place in other countries like I feel like this builds a little bit of something for them in that area and it's also a reality competition show which Mm -hmm. I feel like Netflix has struggled to really have like a super breakout success in the way that like you know paramount plus has all the rupaul stuff which i think has been a real draw for them and i know like the other streamers have kind of absorbed those from whatever networks they're related to but this feels like it fills that space for netflix and is probably a pretty safe bet for them to have Mm -hmm. like a successful show right squid game still is netflix's most viewed series of all time i actually was just reading an article a few minutes before we started recording (laughs) saying that season four of stranger things is the most watched season of a tv show in the u.s now after however many weeks it's been out but squid game is still globally the top um the most Mm -hmm. viewed series that they've ever had so it of course, makes sense makes sense for them to want to extend that universe. And speaking to that global appeal, I took a look at the contestant application for the Squid Game, the challenge, and the application is surprisingly simple. Like, it's <laughs> just some very basic information, like personal information about yourself, and then you film a one-minute video explaining why you should be on the show. And casting is open to any English speaker around the world. Anyone mm-hmm. who can speak English can apply to be on this show. So I will be really interested to see how they end up casting. Me too. Because when you're looking for 456 contestants, you're obviously going to be drawing from, you know, a lot of different cultures and a lot of different motivations for people wanting to compete and all of that, but you cannot prominently feature 456 people on this show. So I really want to, like, I'm actually more interested in watching Squid Game The Challenge, potentially, than I would be in watching Squid Game, which I have not seen, just because I think it it is such a gargantuan task like it's it's scope is so much bigger than any other reality show we have seen that it will be really interesting to me to see how they approach all of it yeah i feel the same way like i tried watching squid game i really didn't it it just didn't resonate with me and this feels way more in my alley from like it's a reality show it's a reality competition show and the sheer like scope of it just being this huge cast and huge prize like it just feels like the stakes are really high in a way that could be very interesting Mm -hmm. so I'm excited to kind of see how it all unfolds I did 
see the point raised that it's going to be very challenging from a production standpoint going into it because you you have so many people and you don't know how they are actually going to perform in the challenges. And so you kind of have to get a little bit of footage of 456 people so that you can craft a narrative over the 10 episodes, you know, from beginning to end. And that sounds so daunting to me. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I feel like most reality competition shows generally tend to have contestants that they see as front runners whenever they cast right so right. you know survivor or drag race or big brother or whatever like there are people the bachelor you know there are the people that they kind of tend to shape the season around because they believe from the start that that person is going to be their winner or one of their final four or whatever it is and I don't see how you could do that with (laughs) this show. I feel like there's going to have to be so much editing. Like, that's going to have to happen so much in post-production to really make Mm -hmm. anybody care about any of these people. Leave it to Netflix, I guess, to take a big swing like this and do something drastic because they know they have to (laughs) right now. They have to do something (laughs) to catch people's attention. And also, makes sense that they have released a very small snippet trailer teaser. Not even a trailer. I guess it really is just a teaser, promoting season two of Squid Game, Mm -hmm. which is apparently not coming until 2023 or even 2024. Oh, wow. Yeah, I I read in an article that it is still far down the pipeline. I don't think anything has been shot for it yet from what I read earlier. So it's like they're just reminding people, hey, remember last year when everyone cared about this show? And, you know, we still have it and there's more coming. So don't cancel or your subscription yet, please. But anyway. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how quickly it comes out because generally with like a reality show, I think production is a little faster than a scripted show, especially Mm -hmm. for like Netflix where I feel like things are announced and then it's like literally like years till we ever see them. Right. Uh, But with the just size of the cast and everything they're gonna have to do for it like I would imagine the challenges are gonna be pretty complex at times or Mm -hmm. or just like maybe just the sets that they're in I'm picturing that the like giant doll thing from the show and like I mean I guess they could just use the one they already have but like it just feels like it might take a little while to like coordinate everything. I mean gosh like if that's all they're requiring to apply, can you imagine how many people are going to apply for this thing worldwide? Like how oh, yeah. much they're going to have to sift through? Oh, for sure. I mean I'm going to submit an application just cuz why not? Like I've never watched Squid Game and maybe I'll say that in my video. I have no idea what the rules of this game are or anything, but I'll figure it out as I go. And maybe Netflix will like that about me. But anyway, like yeah, it I feel like they're going to have to have some kind of like, I don't know, rules in place for like where they are pulling people from for this. Like mm-hmm. they're going to limit themselves to like, okay, we got to have two people from the southern u.s and that's it we've got to have right you know four people from south america and that's it <laughs> we've got to have yeah. you know five western europeans and like stuff like that and they'll just pick the people that they find most interesting from each region of the world i don't know but well a natural segue here would be to talk about something else netflix is doing that i 
truly had no idea about. Me either. Which is the Netflix mobile gaming development. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> so basically, I read a lot about this and there was a variety article that I just thought the title summed it up kind of perfectly, which is why Netflix is still keeping things a little bit quiet on its gaming front. <laughs> because it I, I really had to read like four or five different articles to get a super clear idea on what is even going on in terms of their gaming development. Mm -hmm. So last November, Netflix launched their first mobile game. They currently have 23 mobile games only available to Netflix subscribers. And their goal by the end of this year is to double that number of mobile games. These are mobile games only. I think you can download them. You can also, I think, play them on the mobile Netflix app. Though hmm. that part I'm unclear on because I don't have the app, but that's what I gathered. Okay. And their goal is to create, quote, a homogenized experience, which I just thought was a very interesting way to put it, uh, between their TV content and their mobile games. They also said they're totally willing to create console games for Xbox and PlayStation, but right now they're only focused on mobile games. And I think most interestingly, they have like a series coming out called Exploding Kittens, which is based on the card game that launched on Kickstarter in 2015 and became like a huge success. And at they just released a mobile game for that. So there will be like a new mobile game for the Exploding Kittens. And then next year, there will be a TV series that goes along with it. They're also like working through content they already have. So there's going to be a Queen's Gambit game that is a chess game. And they talk a lot about how they want to have mobile games for anyone, heavy gamers or people who have never gamed before to go along with their TV content. So it's a little weird to me. I have to be honest. Like it mm -hmm. doesn't, I it doesn't appeal to me. I can't imagine ever playing a Netflix mobile game. Agreed. And I think it's odd timing to be like doubling down on the amount of mobile games you have considering there's like a shareholder lawsuit happening, there's layoffs, there's cutbacks on their content, there's like plummeting stock prices, there's going to be the ad supported plan coming out later this year. Like if they think this is going to save them, I have to say I think they're wrong. I would agree with that, yes. <laughs> it is a very interesting strategy to try to break into this territory that has typically not been a space that content creators like television movie creators have gotten into because I don't think I personally don't feel like there's as much overlap between people who view movies movies and television and people who engage with mobile gaming like some of those people might be the same people but I don't think that all those people are always clamoring for content that does both so to speak right yeah you know some games can be convenient as like promotional devices for you know as tie-ins to a piece of media content but i can't think of a single instance where a mobile game or a console game was really like 
spawned by a television series or movie and like really took on a life of its own outside of that piece of original content. If I can just interject really quickly, I would say that the opposite has also not really happened. Like there's been a ton of video game franchises that have either been like turned into TV series or movies and generally they are fairly poorly received. I think the Halo series is doing okay for Mm -hmm. Paramount Plus, but I also think a lot of people who liked the game don't like the series. Yeah. And I just, like, as I was reading earlier about um, the video game plans, it made me remember something I had forgotten about, which is that Netflix kind of sort of tried to do this with the two interactive specials Mm -hmm. it created for Black Mirror and for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt a few years ago, and they never made more of those. (laughs) I don't know, like, not to my knowledge anyway. And I don't know if they had any plans to continue with that, but I felt like that was sort of their initial foray into possibly, like, feeling out whether that was, you know, a viable path for them to continue down, and the fact that they didn't continue down it would lead me to believe that those endeavors were not as well received as they wanted them to be, or that they were too complex. So maybe they think that just doing a straight-up video game would be less complex (laughs) and a little bit easier to manage, but it sounds like the way that they plan to scale it, it will quickly take on a life of its own and be more demanding of their time and resources. Yeah, I I think it's, it's so weird to me, like, partially because I feel like a mobile game tends to be more simple. Like, it's mobile games just because of the way that you have to download them and play them. They can't be, like, Fallout, right? Like, you could never (laughs) play Fallout on your phone. It just wouldn't be right. And I think, like, the people that, like, the I would imagine, and this is me totally just spitballing, but, like, the people who love TV and love stories and love movies would be the type of people who, they're not playing, like, a chess game they're playing like Fallout or like Elder Scrolls or like Far, I, Far Cry or whatever. I don't even know. I, I don't know video games that well, but I would imagine they're playing like story-based games mm-hmm. like that have fun and interactive and like immersive gameplay, but also like a larger story. I think right. like it just feels weird like unless they're just trying to get at kids. But then the other thing I started thinking about, and I think I must have read something about it, but if Disney ever wanted to start doing this, they have so much more like IP than Uh Netflix does that would translate really, really well to video games. Like if Disney just wanted to start doing all these Marvel games, all these Star Wars games, like they just, I think it would be a lot easier for them to do that and like to take over that space. And to me, like, Netflix, like, a Queen's Gambit chess game is cool, but, like, why didn't it come out when the show came out? Like, that right. show, I feel like, has been forgotten about already. Like, time has passed, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and to that point, Disney has been creating video games for all of its content for decades. <laughs> like, Right, um, that's a good point. They, they've just been console games for the most part, but there are also mobile games that I don't know how well they've done, of course, but it seems like Netflix is not in a position to like make that kind of 
gamble on content that there aren't those kind of expanded or expandable universes for like right. you, you know maybe there would be a squid game mobile game at some point maybe there would be a stranger things mobile game at some point i think there is oh is there I think so. Um, that wouldn't be surprising, like I said, but, like, no one's going to play a mobile game of The Crown, or, like, <laughs> you know, no one's going to play a mobile yeah. game of Power of the Dog. Right. That, you know, like, that's stupid. <laughs> so, if they aren't going to generate more of these really big, bold franchises, or, you know, IPs, that really engage people and start conversations and get people excited then they're not going to have anything else to draw from you know it's i feel like they're maybe putting the cart before the horse so to speak yeah and making all these plans to churn out these games when there's no obvious or very little obvious content to me that would justify the creation of a game i also think like most simply put Nobody in the entire world was saying, you know what I want? I want Netflix to start making games I can play on my phone. Uh -huh. Like, no one has organically had that thought other than some, like, weirdo who works at Netflix. Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't think there's an audience for it. And from my understanding, they don't run ads on these games. They're included in your Netflix subscription. So, like, if these games aren't driving people to pay for Netflix and also download the mobile app, then they shouldn't be doing it because exactly. it's not driving people to their platform. Yep, they are just spending more money on those games than right. the content that people are actually coming to their service for, which yeah. is the last thing <laughs> they need right now. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. Um Going back to what you said earlier about the ad-supported plan that Netflix is planning to come out with in late 2022, I read earlier today that Peacock is planning to stop offering Comcast subscribers the free middle-tier subscription to its service. Of course, Peacock is owned by NBC Universal, or, you know, it's the streaming service for NBC Universal, which is owned by Comcast. So Comcast had been offering its plan with limited ads to all Xfinity Cable subscribers. They are going to stop doing that at some undisclosed time within the next few months, year, I don't know, because they have seen that they are now generating more money from ads than they are from subscriptions. Interesting. And they want to start getting more money from subscriptions, so they think that people who already have a taste of the peacock from their Xfinity subscription might be more willing to pay a little bit more for, or, or pay something at all extra mm -hmm. for a peacock subscription and generate more income that way. I think it's interesting too, because I do not see myself paying for peacock when they still have a free version that they are not planning to get rid of that just runs oh. full, like a full slate of ads. So yeah, they have yeah. three tiers. They have a fully ad-free version that I think is $9.99 a month, a version with limited ads at $4.99 a month, which is the one Xfinity subscribers have, and then a free version, which is all ads all the time. <laughs> um, yeah. And I do have an Xfinity subscription, so mm -hmm. I get that middle tier plan for free, but I personally 
don't watch enough on Peacock to continue paying for that. So I'll just drop down to the full ad version whenever that time comes. But I I do think it's an interesting move, and I'm curious what your take on it is. It's just fascinating to me that they're generating more money through ads than subscribers, because Mm -hmm. I feel like they would have to be disclosing how many people view their stuff to the advertisers, right? Right. I would imagine. I mean, I wouldn't buy ads if I didn't know how many people were watching the stuff. So Yeah, so I guess it makes me feel like they must have, like, a decent amount of people watching. I know I looked at a number not that long ago. I think they release the number of subscribers that they have to the public. So I don't know. I mean, it was I think it was a smart move by Comcast to offer the free plans to people. It's like a good way to launch it and hopefully get people hooked. But mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, the only thing I've ever watched on there is Yellowstone. And that, I think, from what I understand, will eventually be moving off of Peacock, but I could be wrong about that. I think in a few years it'll be hosted on Paramount Plus. Probably, yeah. One thing I did see is that a lot of Peacock's content that is like from NBC, USA, like all of its NBC Universal channels that is currently on Hulu will be migrating to Peacock within the next year or so. Because all those deals are going to be up. So usually the only thing I watch on Peacock personally is SNL if I miss it when it airs live on Saturdays, I'll watch it on Peacock mm-hmm. on Saturdays because it has less ads than if I watch it on Hulu. And once it moves off of Hulu and only to Peacock, then maybe I'll just watch the version with full ads again on Peacock, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I just don't... I, I think it's still growing, of course. They are still building that content library. And they're going to have some exclusive windows for theatrical releases that should be pretty big movies such as Jurassic World, the new Jordan Peele movie, Nope, the new Minions movie, stuff like that will all be exclusive to Peacock. So there's a chance that they're going to drive subscribers for that kind of stuff, but I I don't see it being as strong as they project, really. I gotta tell you, like, I think people are ready to get back in the the theater for movies. Box office is proving that. Like, the receipts are showing that movies actually can do really well at the theater now. I went to see Jurassic World on my birthday and mm. I we I was like 10:30 in the morning the day we were going to see it and I was like, "Oh, let's just look at the show times and like pick a time to go." And they were already sold out for like some of the evening showings at 10:30 o'clock in the morning. Wow. And the like matinee showings were sold out and like every seat was filled and Top Gun mm. was pretty packed too and I went at like noon on a Wednesday to see that like Mm. I think people are ready for that so I don't really know I'm I'm honestly kind of hopeful that movies are going to have a bit of a resurgence because I think even before COVID less people were going but it I don't know it really feels like people want to see it and like why would you subscribe to a streaming service when you could just pay the same amount to just go see it in a theater? I don't, <laughs> like, if you know you're not going to keep watching stuff on there. Right. I think that there is something that the streaming services did not count on about the movie-going experience, which is that people like that communal experience mm-hmm. of watching a movie that they weren't able to get for <laughs> quite a long time. And, you know, everything was so heavily pushed to streamers 
even like you said pre-covid that's the direction that things were trending so hard and i don't think that everyone realized how much we would miss that cinematic experience yes it's convenient to stay home and for a little while that was our only option but you look at the movies that are actually doing really well right now everything everywhere all at once is the highest grossing film that a24 has ever released it's crazy yeah like that's a sign i think that you cannot depend on people watching movies at home anymore Like, any streamer that is relying on that is going to be kicking themselves pretty soon, I think. So, I don't know what the future holds for all of this, of course, but I can't see people really staying home and watching Peacock instead of going to a theater to see Jurassic (laughs) World. I don't personally see it happening, but... Maybe it's just me, but had I started that movie at home, I would have stopped about 40 minutes in and not finished it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Like, I knew... You know, I love seeing, like, really big blockbustery movies. I just enjoy it because you can just make fun of them if they're not good. But <laughs> it was pretty bad. Like, it was almost to the level of, like, I can't even mock this because it's it's too bad to even, like, mock. And that's when you know, like, you've done something horribly wrong. I mean, that's why I love, like... I love the movie Aquaman. I think it's the perfect, just, like, bad movie that's easy to watch and make fun of. But then, like, you see, like, Justice League, and it's like, I can't even make fun of this. Like, it's just, uh, it's literally unwatchable. I have not seen either of those movies, but I don't want to either, so. Yeah, (laughs) don't. (laughs) And after that glowing endorsement for both of them, (laughs) I certainly don't have any plans to. All right, well... Thank you for listening. Go follow us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast and TikTok at Televisionary Pod. And yeah, that's yeah. it, I guess. <laughs> I guess that is it. Just take care and have a swell start to your summer if you're listening to this when it comes out. And if you're listening yes. to it at any other time, then have a, a swell whatever season you're in. <laughs> I've been Elena Hillard. And I've been Cody Hoffman. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Televisionary. If you like what you heard, share this episode with a friend. You can follow us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Bye.